My name is Kim Foos, and I have been a professional day trader for 13 years. Welcome to the Life of a Day Trader podcast with the Foos4 trading team, Michael Spinoza and Robert Millar. You are going to learn the ins and outs of day trading and hear real stories from professional traders. This is the Life of a Day Trader. What is up, everybody? Kim Foos here with the Foos4 trading team. We got Big Mike and Robert Millar out there in New York and Miami. I'm currently in London. We're in all corners of the map. But today we're talking about uh, a really cool topic, uh, something that you know will kind of hit home for a lot of people. I think this topic is something that is very important to discuss because what we're going to talk about is time. And time is definitely something that's very valuable, something that you only get once. We're only got a limited supply of it. Uh, and we're going to talk about why we only trade for a certain amount of time. And that's typically the stock market open, which is usually about 60 to 90 minutes or so, uh, sometimes a little bit beyond that. Uh, but that's kind of when the most predictable patterns happen. It's when there's new PR is out. It's when everybody's looking to execute new ideas uh, right off the bat at the open. Uh, so when there's volatility, it's when there's movement in the markets. And that's what we look for as day traders is volatility and the most predictable patterns that we can take advantage of. So uh, I guess, Mike, what would be like, how is it different when you first started trading? And when did you start noticing that the open was kind of the most probable area to make the biggest returns in a short amount of time? And what was your experience trading beyond the open? And how do you kind of feel about it now? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I don't think I noticed that that was true until I went through, you know, your foos training, and then learned about like, you know, F1s and F2s in different time of day. And when these breakouts happen, um, they're, they always happen at the open. So I didn't realize that until I really went through your course. And then more so lately, where after like, you know, we use like the hour to two hour rule, you know, by noon, everything's just dead. So um, there's a true statistic in casinos that the longer you are in the casino, the higher probability you have of losing. So I look at the market like, you know, after learning all this, the less you're in it, the better, right? Because otherwise there's a better chance of the market or the casino taking your money back. Yeah. And that's basically limiting your uh, market exposure. Uh, Robert, what was kind of like, uh, what was, or do you have any like bad examples maybe <laughs> of you sticking around for too long? Oh God. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, more so in the beginning when I started trading, um, well, I was actually trading with other people, uh, before I found you, unfortunately, um, way back, you know, four years ago. And, um, I found a lot of them, you know, were bait, had, or trading a certain style and, and a lot of certain stocks that we don't really like to touch with the 10 foot pole, um, here. So that's great. But over there, a lot of these stocks, man, they're like, they don't move too much. Uh, you know, they're shady. Um, you have to babysit them. Like you literally go to the bathroom and you're like, you know, scared when you come back, it's going to tank like stuff like that. You know, so, um, been there. and some of them were slower moving and would re require all day and, and, you know, to watch them. And, and so you had to really babysit. You were, you know, always kind of nervous and, uh, you know, just, 
as far as bet, I mean, there's plenty where um, they just, you know, dropped on low volume in the afternoon when most traders are away and, you know, not walk, not looking. So uh, certainly uh, trading the market open now is much, much less stressful for me. Yeah. And that's kind of something how I set up our, the, the second training that I did, my first training that I created, uh, FUS4 was based solely on day trading patterns or not day trading patterns, sorry, swing trading patterns, which is holding for multiple days at a time. Uh, so this is a little bit longer term look and it wasn't until 2008 when I really had to break down what was going on minute by minute after the stock market collapse. And during this time, this is when I really, really started noticing all the volatility that would literally happen within a lot. The majority of that volatility happens like within the first five to 10 minutes. And then after that, that's kind of like the execution window when you're getting in on that most opportune moment right at the open. Uh, and then the rest is either shorting something that went parabolic or exiting a long trade or a short trade that was looking at a breakdown or breakout right at the open. So kind of what I did was categorize time zones, you could say, for the market open. And I, I categorized them as F1, F2, and F3. F1 being within the first two hours of the market open. F2 is kind of lunch break when there are patterns, but it's much less predictable. It's a lot of bullshit going on where it's just false patterns. The volume isn't there to back up the moves. And then F3 is the last two hours of the market open. And that's when you kind of look for stocks that either have a lot of strength or a lot of weakness uh, towards the close, which a lot of times can indicate what the sentiment is going into the following session and can kind of give you an idea of how that stock is looking uh, into the next. But for me, it took, it took me a while to kind of realize that the less amount of time I spent at the trading desk, the more money I was actually going to make because I had this mentality of, okay, I just made one, two, three, four, five thousand $5,000 in the first 60 to 90 minutes. And I'm like, all right, it's only 60 minutes in. I have the rest of the market session to double or triple this profit. And 99% of that time, I would usually give back half, all, or even go into a losing position uh, if I continue to stay around just because it gets way less predictable and there's a lot of wish-washy moves that happen and you get a little greedy. You hit those moves right at the open that are the most predictable. You get on a little bit of a high horse. Your confidence is high and a lot of times when your confidence is at its highest is when you start getting a little overzealous and thinking like, all right, you know, I'm the man. I can fucking do anything I want. <laughs> and then you just get slapped. And that kind of turns into a backlash moment. Um, and once that backlash kind of starts, if you don't walk away, it can get really nasty and you go into a losing position and then you end the day down and then you're pissed off. You're hating everybody in the world. And then you wake up the next morning and your mental capital is gone and you are unable to come to the next trading session focused and ready to go. So for me, when I trade, I, it's like 60 minutes and I'm basically done. If I'm still around, it's I'm just shooting the shit in the chat room. Uh, and that's it. So that's just kind of my mentality uh, of day trading now. After doing it for 14 years, it's like, fuck, I don't need the extra stress. I don't need the bullshit. If I can make money in 60 minutes, like, I'm good. <laughs> so I don't know, Mike, because I know, Mike, you still stick around a lot. Uh, beyond 60 minutes to 90 minutes, 
what is compelling you to stick around? Is it opportunity? Is most it of the time food? greed? Is it <laughs> most of the time greed? Right. But like if I could just talk about the market lately, like the F ones going back to the way the markets changed. Right. The F ones are still there. There's still stocks that explode at the open. And then the F2s are kind of lately false breakouts. And then the F3s lately happen and you swing them into the next day. And usually you got to dump them pre-market, right? Otherwise at the open, they kind of collapse. I'm staying around, usually fading shorts or looking for that, that F3 um, towards the, the two o'clock part of the day. Otherwise between 12 and two is usually when I'm not trading um, other than shorting a parabolic stock. But lately that can get you in trouble because... You can nail the short in the first hour and then think you're the man and then think that, you know, you're going to double or triple it because, you know, it's in the bag. And then before you know it, you get humbled and it's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, there's so many days where I start out just guns blazing and I'm like, I got this. You know, I, knew I, I know I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and it's all about longevity, right? Is what we try and teach people because maybe one day you do stay and one day you do crush it, right? But if you get into the habit of doing that, I can almost promise you, you're going to give it back big time one day. And you're going to ask yourself, like, is it worth it to be just sitting here all day clicking buttons, you know, and, and that type of mentality? Yeah. Like how many times have we gone back and talked about when we try to go for size and just one out of every hundred times, you're back weeks or months of work, right? <laughs> yeah, you, could, you can be on a steady, steady gains for an entire month, making small, good profits and just be like consistent, consistent, consistent. I know what I'm doing. This is sound, solid, freaking long-term trading. And then you swing for the fence once because you get a little overzealous and it can turn into a freaking disaster and take back weeks, a month of work. And then you have to rebuild from there. And then you have to go work another month steadily to get out of that hole before you can get back to profitability. So it's a lot of people want to get into that fantasy world. And that's something that, uh, it's hard to, you really don't, you can't learn it without going there yourself and getting slapped and humbled yeah. by the market. The more you, you've gotten slapped, like we talk about the punch mentality, you're just like, you know, that once you do it again, that it's your fault. It's not like yeah. anyone else's fault, but yours, but Everyone in the chat room that we talk to that trades the first hour or two, they're usually, you know, they're, it's the consistency, right? Otherwise, man, it's really tough if you try and take size in this type of market and you just give back all of your gains. And I think that goes into like the winning. And you've uh, been a lot more aggressive with uh, students and those that you're like, guys, there's nothing to trade. Stop trading these Chinese turd stocks. <laughs> Yeah. Go away. Like, you know, um, you know, so I think a lot of people, um, you know, do well, uh, you know, in the beginning in the market open and that's to them is like, Oh, it's, it's almost like gambling when you're on a heater and you know, you have a lot of uh, chips on your side of the table and you're doing well. Um, and you just, you just want to keep rolling. Like that's almost your invitation to keep trading. Well, it's not, you should really just walk away. Um, and, uh, and just uh, take your gains and, and don't, you know, to shut it down. I think that's one of my favorite things when I wake up and come in the chat room and I see Mike has laid down the law yes. on a you few noobs in chat. <laughs> you know, it's like, listen, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm trying to save everyone's money, you know? Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. like easily, like, like you'd save the spin cycle foos, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the best analogy ever. 
Oh, it's the worst. If you guys don't know who this, what the spin, who the spin cycle is, uh, what the spin cycle is, it's when you get caught up on a single stock that's kind of moving sideways back and forth. Like it's almost looks like, I wish I could show you my sound wave on my uh, audacity right now. <laughs> what the spin cycle looks like is kind of a flat line with a bunch of chops going back and forth. And you can get stuck in that trying to recover from the morning loss or trying to trade the same stock in either direction. And it's just going back and forth each way and you keep stopping out uh, and you overtrade your commissions get racked up. And especially in today's market, uh, ECN fees, commissions, uh, short locates, it can get very, very expensive if you're not, if you're not careful. And that's another reason why you should really only stick to a very small window that you can find to be the most predictable for you and your niche, whatever you do. And what we teach at Foos4 is how to trade the stock market open, both long and short. Uh, so it doesn't matter what the market conditions are. Uh, there are opportunities on both uh, the long side and the short side. And even more recently, uh, it's almost even maybe just this year. I mean, there's always been pre-market action. Uh, but lately, a lot of these stocks, um, there's all of a sudden been almost just as much volume and volatility in the pre-market on some of these individual stocks as once the market opens. Uh, so I don't really know what's going on with that. I think it could just be more people looking for an edge because the market definitely has been getting crowded and more and more of our people are trading these low float stocks. So I don't know, Mike, what was, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's tough to point your finger right on it on what it is, like why it's happening, but like everything happens pre-market and maybe it's, if that's a sign of like market euphoria, if we're at some point of like peak of the market, um, maybe if it's people looking for an edge, you know, whether it's algo like, um, Whatever it is, it's all about, I think, adapting. So I've tried to tell people to avoid pre-market because it's so unpredictable. Um, like today in tops, you know, it moves from a dollar to four dollars on no volume. And then, every, you know, why is that reason? Who knows? But um, you try and create some type of structure, you know. So stick with the market open and uh, the first hour and avoid this pre-market shenanigans because it gets crazy. Stock on Friday going from a dollar to eight bucks. It's like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah, no can you pull up some charts? Do you have uh, some chart examples? Yeah. I think it's probably a herd effect, right? I mean, there's, there's always kinds of trends and shifts and, and weird and things going on. Well, China stocks have been ripping because the Chinese economy is pretty questionable. Their market's down like 35% year to date. What? So, I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, so these Chinese stocks, maybe they're market bounced, but this stock went from a dollar to eight bucks by the pre-market, and it closed at basically three bucks. So it's just uh, this today's tops shipping stock going from a dollar twenty-five to four bucks on absolutely no news. So this type of shit forms bad habits because people start making money longing this, and they're like, "Yeah, like I figured it out, right?" but this isn't the way the market normally is. So I'm trying to stick to rules and create some type of structure. Otherwise it turns into just a pure, a pure casino, you know? Yeah. Like that's bananas. And a lot of shit like this, like it's like, all right, do I want to risk trading this? Because this is completely fucking ape shit. 
And, and do I have structure that can manage this kind of volatility or do I just let this thing slide? Because a lot of people will look at this stock or a stock that goes from like a dollar to $8 and people are like, people that don't know shit about the market are like, whoa, why didn't you buy that? Like you could have made so much money. <laughs> Went from a dollar to $8. Like, and you just want to, you just want to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to not even say anything. It's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's so easy when you're a fucking idiot to just look at something and be like, Oh, why didn't you buy it here and sell it over there? Like there's no predicting the stock market. And once you start trading, you, you start to realize that, but a lot of people that don't really know what they're doing or just getting started, they see a move like that. Like, did you make money on it? Like, why not? (laughs) And you're just like, you know, you don't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I fucking forgot my crystal ball at home today. Basically, right? Like hindsight's twenty twenty. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, after hours? Do you do you watch after hours much? No, that's what. That's one thing that's. Uh, I found that like we, we were talking about change in kind of structure of the market. The F ones happen pre market. The F threes happen after hours lately. Yeah. So like you play that momentum and then you'll see it like 430. It's up like 100% and you're just like, what the hell? Why couldn't that do it? Do that at like three o'clock or 330, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. It's, it's so annoying because a lot of times you'll see that price action uh, after hours on a stock and then you wake up the next morning or you see something that happened or how a stock closed and you wake up in the morning and then pre-market totally fucks your previous night's idea because you're like, well, all right. I guess that idea is out the window because it either blew up pre-market or uh, dropped pre-market. So usually if there's a stock that closes very, very strong or very, very weak after a big day, pre-market's going to be not near the opening price for the most part. It's going to yeah, be- it usually flow over. Yeah, either 10 15% up or down uh, below that price. But um, anyways, I don't really have any- a whole lot else to say about the uh, the market open. I, it's really just comes down to, you know, after 14 years of doing this, you got to pick a, an area or basically not, it's not picking it. It's just what I've found after doing this for that long, that that's just the most predictable time to make money predictably. In trading, all you're doing is looking for the most high probability setups and repeatedly trading those over and over again consistently, consistently with either a profit or a small loss and managing the risk. And the most high probability setups that I have identified in the stock market all happen within the first 90 minutes of the market open. So that's the only time I focus on trading. Every time I step outside of that little boundary, get a little greedy, or if I'm just trading out of boredom, it usually doesn't end in a good idea or a good result. Sometimes I make money outside of that window, but if I look at a long-term basis, what my winning and losing percentage outside that window is, it's extremely skewed against me. So um, it's just not worth it. And I think that's also just the biggest benefit of day trading as well, is that if you do it correctly and don't let greed get in your way, you can have a much better life, a lot more freedom to either study after that rather than trading. You can study more of what just happened and backtest what happened in that first 90 minutes and kind of analyze what you did right, what you did wrong, how you can improve for the next day as opposed to continuing to trade and 
ruining what you just did in the morning or making it worse if you had uh, already came out with a loss. So, um, or go do something else. You know, maybe you got a day job and now it's time to go to work because you just traded the market open and uh, you're getting ready to go to work or do whatever. So, uh, I know, Robert, what would be, what is your favorite thing to do outside of the stock market open? Um, go eat. Eat a little light. You're focused That's on good. other stuff. Yeah. Um, time, you, know, you know, eat. Uh, also right now I'm doing intermittent fasting, which I know you're doing Foos. So yeah, uh, I feel about it. And uh, I like it. Um, uh, I see actually it's getting a popularity. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drinking a little bit of coffee on empty stomach. And the only downside of that sometimes if you have a little bit too much coffee on empty stomach and kind of affect your trading, you get a little bit too, I don't know, too, uh, too emotional, too, um, you know, too crazy. So, but, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> what did you eat today, Bob? I uh, egg whites. Basically I have my breakfast at one. Yeah. So I have a breakfast for lunch um, egg whites, uh, whole grain toast and turkey bacon. Same thing every day. Are you going to get, are you going to get shredded, Bob? I'm working on it. I'm yeah, working winter. on it. I actually live in I'm Florida. I'm looking so better <laughs> already. Yeah. And, um, so I got to see the results. I think I've probably dropped at least eight, eight pounds. Really? In what time window? Uh, about three weeks, three and a half weeks. Yeah, it's good. Damn. Yeah, I like so. intermittent fasting. I've been doing it for on and off for uh, a year and a half or so. It can get difficult sometimes. Sometimes I binge after fucking, mm. if I, if I intermittent fast and try to eat too fucking healthy sometimes that I like kind of fucking flip out on the weekends and just like go on like a fucking crazy uh, binge or yeah. something. I'm like, all right, I got to yeah. soak the booze. Be busy. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I did eat a breakfast early at nine. I'm, my stomach was all messed up. So I'm, I'm kind of sticking with it. If you stay busy, the, the most difficult part about intermittent fasting, sorry guys, we just, we just started <laughs> an intermittent hey, fasting. Hey, topic. I help you guys. So <laughs> still relevant. Uh, is if you stay busy, it's a lot easier to fast, but if you're just fucking around doing nothing, then you get bored and you get hungry. That's why I hated working at home and I couldn't have any snacks ever at home is because if there was, I'd stand up and I'd go grab something out of the fridge and eat yep. it. Or if like when I used to live with the roommate, Nick, he'd always have like treats in the house or little snacks, like fucking chips. And I'd just be like, God damn it. And it's just yeah. temptation staring at you in the face. So <laughs> I do a lot better with that uh, when there's just nothing, like there's nothing in the fridge where I'm living right now. There's never anything in there. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I have to Uber eat. Sir. There's stuff in there. I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Now, Mike, I, I feel like Mike has a lot of snacks in his, in his house. <laughs> no, my, uh, no, Zach saying no. I mean, I, I, I do the fasting a little bit. I drink these bulletproofs that you got me into Rob that are yeah. with uh, the G butter and stuff. So, yeah. But, I'll sneak in a pizza now and then, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta, uh, <clears throat> you gotta re up. Otherwise, you go, you go fucking bananas. Um. So yeah. Anyway, back to the <laughs> the, uh, the topic here. Um. You, you know, when I was working and in school full time. So one of the things I really want to hit home here is so many of you think that you don't have time for this. 
Um, and it's really just an excuse. You, if you want to do it, you can fit time. On paper, I had no time to start day trading. Um, I just worked it out. Um, yeah, I had work. I traded at work. I, you know, mixture of uh, my own laptop at work and mobile trading, which isn't recommended, but I had to had to get uh, had to get it done somehow. Uh, so literally, not even 90 minutes. I would sometimes be done in 35, 40 minutes, and you know, shut it down, and then I would make money the slow way the rest of the day. You know, it was, it was pretty crazy. You know, I would make like three, four hundred dollars when I first started trading with you. Uh, and then I would shut it down and work the entire rest of the day for like a hundred bucks. The nine to five life, man. I don't know if I could do it ever. Yep. In the beginning, I did feel it helped me because it kept me occupied and I had things to do. So it forced me to shut it down. So when I did transition, um, uh, to trading full-time, I, I had a little bit of an issue there because I, I could just sit there and trade uh, without yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do? You right. sit there and you either trade or look at porn or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I considered getting an Xbox yeah. and then just putting it right and just being able to just sit there. Yeah. You should, man. Then Marissa shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I play Call of Duty. Uh, I actually fucking hate the new Call of Duty. I was playing it earlier. I can only last like a round. And I'm like, I right, fuck this game. I suck at this game. I'm I'm loving it. It's too good. Yeah. <laughs> but you're playing the like the Fortnite edition, aren't you, Rob? Or are you playing the actual game? I do a mixture of multiplayer and the blackout version. And the blackout, uh, it's all in there. So the blackout yeah, yeah. mode uh, is the battle royale. Yeah, it's like Fortnite. Yeah, I suck at it. Uh, playing solo is really hard because there's a hundred people out to get you. Uh, duos and and teams of four is much easier to survive and teamwork. Yeah, baby. I would literally play and I would like it takes like 15 minutes to even find anybody, and then I would see one person after playing for 15 minutes, I'd get shot in the face and die. I'm like, that was a fucking waste of 15 minutes. <laughs> this game's <Yeah>. stupid. <laughs> More of a battlefield guy. Speaking of which, guys, I got a new trading computer en route to Miami. Actually, Robert uh, tried to order it for me today, but it got declined. Don't tell him what it is, Robert's secret. I won't. But the I big won't. reveal Damn is that. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll find out on the side. I'm <laughs> not a bum. They didn't decline my card. They have some kind of crazy perception. Like, they're like, we need to verify that you're really you. We need to get on a conference call with you and your bank. Uh, we'll get in contact with you within two days. I'm like, what? Yeah. I even, I tried to order it from London to Robert's house, but Robert's house is my billing address and shipping address. But I had to address it to Robert's name because his building won't accept it unless it's in his name. And they still decline. I was like, so I can't ship something to my address, even if it's. Uh, I told them and, um, and their support. I'm like, you guys aren't going to sell a lot of laptops this way. I'm just trying <laughs> to buy something from you. Come on. <laughs> like, take my money. Give me a break. <sighs> yeah. Well, I guess they've had a lot of issues with uh, fraud or whatever. So. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. So, yeah, we won't spoil it. All right, guys. I believe. That's about a wrap. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, comment below. If you're listening on iTunes, please review 
This is a, a newer podcast, so we'd love to hear your thoughts or any other things you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, that would be great. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on the flip side. Peace, guys. Later, hey, brothers. See you. 